Welcome to The Whole Steward, the holistic approach to wealth from a Christian worldview. I'm your host, Andrew Stanton, and I'm glad you've joined. There is nothing more important to wealth management than your spiritual well-being. People may say they're a spiritual person, and that's true because we are body and spirit, but that's not how you're reconciled to God. We have Pastor Roman Folia explain the gospel of Jesus Christ and how to meet some of the biggest challenges facing us as Christians today on The Whole Steward. Well, this is episode number 52, the last of the year. I'm so thankful for your listenership. It's been an amazing year. We've met our goal of 52 episodes. We've had a lot of great episodes, and I've gotten good feedback from many of you. This last episode is no exception. I'm super excited to have Pastor Roman Folia on the show today to help us understand a little bit better on what does it mean to be a Christian? What does it mean to be reconciled to God? What is the gospel of Jesus Christ? If you are wondering how it is that you could gain the whole world and yet forfeit your soul, and how to avoid that problem, which is one of the things that Jesus taught about. We've looked at that parable. What does it profit a man to gain the whole world and yet forfeit his soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? Today is for you. You will hear about the gospel of Jesus Christ and some of the biggest challenges facing us as Christians. So listen in to my conversation with Pastor Roman Folia next on The Whole Steward. Our next guest is a native of Southern California. And in 2003, he received a BA from the California State University of Fresno, where he majored in philosophy. He also received an MDiv from the Master's Seminary in 2012. He has been the senior pastor of Ranch View Baptist Church since February 2016 and is married to his wife, Nancy, for 20 years with three children. Welcome to the show, Pastor Roman Folia. Uh, Thank you, Andrew. It's good to be here. Uh, This is a treat for me. I've never been part of a podcast before, so glad to be here and have the opportunity to share with you. That's great. Well, I wanted to bring you on because you being a pastor... Uh, can talk to the things of the gospel, and, yep. and we've touched on it quite a bit. In fact, our last episode, we had the Millers on, and they were talking about their ministry in Alaska. Mm, nice. So I thought, who better than to have a pastor on to talk about what the gospel is? You know, before we get into that, let's just hear a little bit of your background. I want to hear a little bit more about where your family came from, how you ended up here, yep. you know, you're a native of Southern California, but uh, give us a little family history. Yeah, so I I grew up in Southern California in the Los Angeles area, uh, first generation immig- immigrant. So my parents were from Yugoslavia, and um, they lived on the border of Romania and Yugoslavia, and spent their whole lives there. They weren't married till they both immigrated separately, but they grew up in the same kind of church denomination. And so uh, when their family separately immigrated, my mom's family went to Canada, and then my dad's family immigrated to California. And then uh, because we were part of the same church denomination, my dad would visit 
my mom's family, the church in Canada, and they got married, and that's how I found my own wife, uh, the exact same way, oh, from okay. California to, I'd go visit my grandparents, and uh, came back and met my wife in Canada and brought her back to California, just like my dad did with my mom. So uh, they had an interesting upbringing in in Yugoslavia, in the church with uh, World War II and, mm-hmm. and with uh, communism. And so, um, interestingly, my, my wife's uh, father was actually in prison with my uncles for the, for the faith. Uh, they, were, they were put in prison there, and so they would always joke together that uh, their you know, children would marry each other once they got out of prison, and it turned out uh, it was a nephew that ended <laughs> up marrying uh, uh, Nancy's dad's um, uh, Nancy, I mean so, Nancy. So they were joking with each other. They were other joking with each other in while in prison. Oh wow! Uh, that that their kids would marry each other, and and so it turned out uh, uh, God partially fulfilled that uh, by bringing Nancy and I together. And so uh, the background was a uh, very cultural Romanian mm. Serbian background, and so uh, but growing up in in California, I didn't know any different. But you know, I think if you were to just be a truly like multi-generations in California and you were to come into our household, you'd probably see a lot of uh, just what was normal to me, but a very cultural uh, mm. upbringing. So, yeah. Interesting. So were they, what, what was the purpose of coming to Oh, they, the were, fleeing. they were fleeing. Yeah, they were, they were fleeing communism. And so um, even my mom, she was the second oldest in the family of, of uh, 10 and uh, she actually had to escape into Italy with her siblings. Like her mom and dad had already left to Italy and she wow. was left alone at like 16 to raise them or not to really raise them, but to care for them. And there were little ones. And so she uh, she had to run across the border and, and escape through uh, into Italy. And uh, and then from there, she and the whole family kind of made their way to, uh, to Canada. And so my dad's, uh, his brothers being older, it was a little bit uh, more of a difficulty for them to get into the U.S., Hmm. Uh, but my dad then was kind of brought in uh, according to the normal route uh, that most immigrants come Hmm. uh, later. So uh, it it was quite a harrowing experience for them, just being put, put in prison for your faith in Christ being put in prison primarily they also were pacifists so so there's a sense in which they didn't want to fight on behalf of um, you know the the military there and and they didn't want to bear up arms and and fight for that cause and so that was along with their faith was part of the reason that they were um, put in prison and so my my father-in-law spent four years uh, in prison and uh, with my uncles and my grandfather was in prison as well. So, uh, you know, our background, I was born and raised as, as a Christian. And, uh, so I, I don't ever remember not really hearing the gospel. There, there were some peculiar things about the, the church and Mm -hmm. even in terms of, uh, leanings with legalistic leanings. Um, but the gospel was there. And so at an early age, um, I just had always, you know, I can't say I always necessarily believed, Um, but, but the gospel seed was planted. And so, um, you know, I can just remember even at an early age walking, um, not walking rather driving with my dad to church on a Wednesday night. And, um, just was, I think this was like nine years old and just having the sense of, um, wanting to 
follow Christ and to, to, to live for him. And of course, you know, you grow up as a child and, you know, things don't always stick. So immediately, but more and more, God just began working on my heart and uh, saved me. And so I'm, I'm the fourth out of five boys. So okay. uh, we had five boys in our family, no girls, uh, within six years. So my poor mom, she's, uh, <laughs> she's a rock. Yeah, she's a rock. That would be uh, quite the household. And yeah. I, I've heard that it's uh, and that's all, you're, a lot you're, of excitement. You're making your way there. Right? Oh, yes. Yes, we're expecting number six, actually. Yeah, if you that's didn't know awesome. That, so. Yeah. so they, they were... Um, basically fleeing communism but you were talking about it was kind of the world war ii era yeah so yeah. communism was it wasn't part of like they, they weren't fleeing the the german no they weren't fleeing the german invasions. but under under uh, they lived in serbia well former yugoslavia okay. yugoslavia and so um there was the the influence of tito and and that whole aspect of uh, authoritarian government and so uh, they didn't have that kind of freedom especially because they wouldn't fight so so that was I mean my mom would tell me stories like uh, you know they'd have a they had a cow and uh, with all these little kids you know and my mom's the oldest but they would come and they'd basically take the chicken or take the cow and you know my grandma would be like hey like we need that cow to to feed the Wow. The kids, you know, but they would just come and take things. So just the constant um, manipulation and dishonesty and and thievery, really, uh, on behalf from the government mm-hmm. is is what just led them to say, you know what, we need to we need to get out of here. And they didn't want to go. My father in law didn't want to go to jail again. Right. And, yeah. and so that was yeah. all all of it combined. So yeah. so what do they say about the direction of our uh, country now? Oh, my, my dad, uh, my dad would even early on. So when I was growing up, he would be watching uh, news, uh, CNN, which uh, he called Communist News Network at the oh. time. So oh, wow. Would, and yeah. when was this? What decade? Oh, this was in, I was born in 75. So we're talking, you know, 80, so like the early 80s. 80s. I'd sit there and watch uh, news with him. He was very big on political Things and and he would just point out the direction of the country um, and things that were happening, and he would say like that that's a communist mentality, and so he was very in tune with what that looked like, and uh, so he just he was not super happy with a lot of the d- direction that things were going, mm. and uh, but I I think if he had known you know, what it had become today. He, he wouldn't be surprised, but he would be disappointed because he yeah. really loved, uh, he loved the, the United States. He embraced uh, being an American and, and being did he ever in this be, country. Did he get citizenship? Yeah, yeah, he came. Okay. He got citizenship early, and um, he made his way, you know, here in, in California yeah. and worked hard. So it was a good example. Yeah, it's a, an example of folks fleeing what we now see happening in our own country yeah, uh, with a place to go. Yep. And now where, where do you go? You know, I've heard that said like, Oh, you know, yeah, there's not many places to flee to that, that have the, what was it that day, you know, uh, a place you could go and have a sense of freedom to pursue um, a lucrative career and provide Mm -hmm. for your family. It seems like a lot of the countries in the world are, are there's, I don't know where you would go other than us, but, 
so what specifically was it that you know for example your father-in-law he was imprisoned yeah you you said for the faith but what does that mean was he vocal about it and or was it just you know privately and how it was just christianity was illegal well so if you wanted to if you had to fight for yugoslavia so they wanted to uh, draft in the the youth to fight you you had to sign their and and swear allegiance to the state right so you Mm. that was part of what you had to do is swear allegiance to the state and um and so as a Christian, you're, you're either going to swear allegiance to, to Christ and, and to God, or, you know, they'd want you to swear to the state. And so that was part of their desire not to swear allegiance okay. to the state and obviously not to fight on behalf of it. So when I say the faith, it wasn't, it wasn't because like, oh, you're professing faith in Christ, and so uh, we're going to put you in prison directly because of that. But mm-hmm. it was probably more along the lines of, uh, because they're Christians and they didn't want to do this, you know, their their faith kind of led to them right. being imprisoned. Yeah, it's it's interesting. It's something I've been contemplating a lot. Um, yeah. You know, especially in America, what you would see, I don't think, is like an outline of Christianity. Right. But what it would be is something like, well, you can be a Christian, but we also need you to do this thing over here. And that's, that's right. fine if you want to do both. Yeah. You know, you, you can do that all day. But if the Christian says, well, you know, as because of the conviction of my faith mm-hmm. and what the what scripture says, yeah. I'm not gonna do that. That's right. Well they'll say, Well, we'll imprison you for that. Exactly. When in really in reality it was a conviction of your faith that was leading you to that. Yeah, like your your conscience is held captive to what you believe God's word teaches and so if if you believe as a christian in scripture that your your conscience would be violated and you'd be sinning against god in this way then of course you're not going to want to violate that conscience and Mm -hmm. and so it's not necessarily directly because of faith in christ uh, but it's the result of believing and those convictions in your conscience before him one of the things we talk about on the whole steward a lot is all the different forms of capital that we have mm-hmm. under our stewardship. Yeah. You know? So, you know, we have spirituality and, and we'll get into that in a little bit because we'll talk about, you know, the, the gospel, uh, what is the gospel. Uh, but that spirituality, I like to say kind of undergirds everything else. So then you have physical capital, intellectual, experiential, relational, cultural, material, financial, and time. And when people think of stewardship, they usually think, oh, that's, you know, financial stewardship. Well, how are you stewarding your time? How are you stewarding your relationships? You know, how do you steward what you, you know? And, and, Mm -hmm. uh, the other thing we talk about is you can exchange one form for another. So you can, for example, pay money to get an education. Right. So now you're exchanging dollars for intellectual, Mm -hmm. uh, knowledge. You need time for everything. Yeah. If you're going to invest in any one of these areas, spiritually, physically, you know, whether it's exercise or intellectually to learn something or relationally in your mm-hmm. relationships, all these things. As a Christian, I, I don't look at spirituality as one of the forms of capital, although a lot of times it's referred to that way. Mm-hmm. It actually undergirds everything else that we're doing right. physically. Where do we go on a Sunday morning? Yeah. Well, that's determined by our spiritual conviction. Yeah. You know, what do we do? 
what what do we do on a Tuesday evening? You know, that's why the word stewardship awesome. is such a great. Uh, it's it, it's it captures really what it means to. Uh, to be a Christian living in the world, mm -hmm. right? Because you are you are a steward of the gospel, but but that gospel that you're a steward of has impacts in in how your life is lived out. And mm -hmm. so it's not your stewardship is a everything we have is from God's grace right. and goodness. And so everything falls under that umbrella, which means that you're a steward of all of it. Mm -hmm. And so you want to use everything that God gives you to uh, for His glory. You know. At, at, to the utmost possible. And so then it really does matter how you use all of those things, whether it's finances or your opportunity to speak or to stand for truth, like all of that. So the, the Or whether is, you pick up arms, or you to, pick up arms for yeah. a state yeah. that you disagree with on a fundamental, right. you know, spiritual convicted yeah. level. Yeah. Well, I think then, what's happened in, in, in the, at least I could say, I mean, I haven't been all around the world, but as I see it in the U S is, you know, the we are such a fiercely independent nation and, and mm. people and, and so which is a good thing, right? You have freedom and independence and you cherish that freedom, but but there's a sense where uh you can kind of lose sight as a Christian of where your primary um who you primarily answer to. And sometimes you can look at the affluence that we have and that kind of drives people more than as Christians, than thinking about uh, their their life before God ultimately, mm -hmm. and that's one of I think the dangers of in in the U.S. that often happens is because we're so affluent. It's much like Israel, like right Israel, they were very affluent and in the Old Testament times, and and they lost sight of of the God that had saved them out of Egypt, and and they had houses and they had vineyards, and and they sort of lost sight of of why God had redeemed them. And uh, it didn't end well for, for them as, as a nation because of that. And I think we're kind of falling into that a little bit and losing sight of, as Christians, at least who we primarily answer to. And it's the same thing, the Philippian church, they responded well uh, when Apostle Paul writes to them, but he, he had to remind them of their identity in Christ as well, mm. because they were, you know, a, a recognized city, they were part of the... Uh, an, an elite city within the Roman Empire, and he had to, he had to remind them of their calling, and yeah. and he he, he actually um, when he wrote that letter to them, he actually compliments them on on how they responded, and so there's always that danger, in other words, right, and so, so for a Christian then, yeah. when they they think about their identity in Christ, what does that mean? To, to have your identity in Christ means that you you find your your purpose you find your um, your life's goal like surrounded around who Christ is mm -hmm. to you as your Lord and Savior and so your identity is is wrapped up in his so like when the scripture says that that we are united to Christ like in Romans 6 like we we've died, with Christ, but we've also been raised with Christ mm -hmm. to walk in the newness of life. And so the, the identity that we have are, is an identity as God's people. And so when we think of ourselves, and I often, you know, I often, early on in my walk, it, it took a while for me to, to think through this a little bit, but I went, you know, as a, as a young Christian, really plagued by a lot of the, the guilt of my 
sin, like just mm-hmm. knowing who I was as a sinner, and I focused a lot on on my sin, and rightfully so, right? That you should be convicted of your sin and repent. But the more I thought about myself as a sinner, the 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 more difficult it was for me to to rightly see myself as primarily how the scripture defines Mm. us, which is as saints. So when you read the scripture, we are called sinners redeemed by grace, but, but you see the scripture where Paul and the other apostles, as they're writing these letters, they say beloved or saints Mm. or children of God. And this is their identity, right? Uh, This is our identity. We are children of God. We are people of God. We are holy. We are set apart. And so to think of ourselves more in terms of how the Bible is defining us as God sees us is important, but of course not neglecting the fact that we still have this flesh and we sin. And, and so to be identified in Christ is, is to be a sinner redeemed by Christ and now living for, for him. And so I think that's a long kind of way of saying what it means to be identified yeah, and, and it gets at the core of the gospel, because Absolutely. without the gospel, we say gospel, yeah. but what does gospel mean? Yeah, yeah. The gospel. Yeah, I, I, was, I was thinking a bit about that, because the, the gospel is primarily a proclamation, mm-hmm. right? So, so when, when we talk about the gospel, sometimes you'll hear people say, well, I just live the gospel out, and and yes, the gospel has an impact, and, and we do uh, live in light of the gospel, but the, the gospel, is a, it's a proclamation. Mm-hmm. And the proclamation comes all the way in Genesis 3.15, right? Yes. So after the fall, um, you have the Proto-Evangelion, and you, and you have the first proclamation of the gospel, interestingly, mm-hmm. is, is given to Satan. Like when he judges Satan, the serpent, he tells the serpent that the child is, is going to be born of the seed of the woman and, and right. crush his head. And, and that's really the first proclamation. But the Old Testament, right, is, is unpacking the fulfillment of that, of that message that, that man is sin, because he also proclaims judgment on Adam and, and Eve. But it's, it's this proclamation that the Savior is coming, and it's unpacking. And so when we get to you know, the New Testament and Christ has come, it's all about a proclamation of what God has done to redeem sinners. Mm-hmm. So a holy God has done a work through Christ to redeem a fallen humanity. And this is what Paul calls the mystery of his will in Ephesians. Mm-hmm. And, and when you're reading Ephesians, you're, you're, you're seeing Paul is talking about the, the word of truth, the gospel that I preach to you. And so it's a preaching, it's a proclamation of what Christ has done. And that is, uh, uh, that is that he died for our sins and, and he atoned for, for sin and he rose again from the dead for our justification and it's received by faith. And God did this work for a particular people, right? Mm-hmm. He, he did this work to redeem a people for himself. And that's the good news that we're proclaiming. And for all who have ears to hear, they respond by faith. But but that's the proclamation of what Christ, who he is, and what he has done to redeem sinners. Now, in John 3.16, it says that for God so loved the world. Yeah. The, the, the term world there is cosmos, correct? Right. God so loved the cosmos. And there's an element of this proclamation, this redemption, expanding beyond just people, yeah. but the creation itself groans yeah. inwardly waiting for the sons of God. 
Yeah, and, and so like Paul back in Ephesians, when he mm -hmm. says part of the mystery of, of the will is that the Gentiles will be included, right? Mm -hmm. And so when when John is talking about the God so loved the world there, he is talking about the cosmos and, and all the world, but it, it it's also the world in the sense of all the the different nations and peoples of the world. God mm. God loved the world, um, not the world system, not 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 the evil world system, but mm -hmm. he loved the cosmos and all of creation that he sent his son. And we primarily think of the world groaning that God's going to ultimately redeem, but we also have to remember that the gospel is for all people groups, right? And right. I think that John is capturing that in that verse as mm. well, um, not, not just creation in general, but uh, an emphasis on the different people groups, Interesting. I think. Because he uses the word whosoever believes in him. So the emphasis right, is yeah. clearly on people. Yeah, 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 yeah. The rocks aren't going to believe right. in him. Although right. Jesus did say, hey, uh, if these don't proclaim. This is true. They do They do. The rocks the will cry out, right? That's so right. Yeah. If someone comes and says, you know, okay, I've heard the gospel. What must I do to be saved? Right. So the one who is saved is the one who believes who who Christ is and what he has done mm. on, on the cross. So it's it's a placing your faith in the person and the work of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so that's the interesting thing is when you're presenting the the gospel, we've we've and it, it's mm. it's difficult when you preach the gospel because there's a sense in which we've gotten in this I, I guess you would say Maybe it's an American thing. Yeah. Like we, we've gotten in this habit of personalizing the gospel so much that mm -hmm. it all comes down to you as as an individual. What does this mean for you? Yeah, what does this mm -hmm. mean for you versus this is who Christ is and what he has done. And you're basically proclaiming that message and calling those who will hear to come and place their faith in, in Christ. And and so that's what needs to be done but it's a it's it's what god does in people that ultimately brings them to that to that faith and so um faith in christ that that's really right. the answer it's it's faith believe in, in the lord jesus christ and yeah, you will you'll be, be saved, saved was the, exactly the answer but when you believe there's a lot to that right? exactly so. and that that's the the point of the gospel mm -hmm. right the i i think the gospel has this is why when people say, I want to live the gospel out, no one is saved by the life that we live, right? No, no one is saved right. by the life that I live. So no matter how good of a neighbor I am and how good of a steward I yeah, am exactly. of my money or whatever or how much I give to the poor, like yeah. no one's saved because I'm a good moral person living that out before mm -hmm. people. And the reason no one is saved by that is is primarily because it's not a work that can atone for their sin. But but you can't come to know Christ through that because you don't know of his atoning work and his death and resurrection and what all of that means. And so I, I think we need to do a better job, perhaps, of, of articulating what all the depths of what the gospel means and, and training up our children to know that gospel, to defend that truth, and to be able to articulate the message of the gospel. Because it's not just believe on Jesus and you'll be saved, because what's the next question is, well, what, who is Jesus? Mm -hmm. And then what did Jesus do? And what am I saved from? Mm -hmm. And so all of these aspects need to, uh, we need to 
be able to articulate to people in a, in a, in a clear way, not just live out the gospel, the gospel. Right. So the moment that I'm talking about is in Acts with the Philippian jailer, right? Yeah. That was the question he asked. Do you think that he understood? He, he had been listening to Paul and Silas yes. sing yeah. all night, right? Yeah. yeah. So he must have been thinking, okay, you know, I've heard all these hymns. Yeah. So he must have been hearing the truth, more truths than just, oh, what must I do to oh, be saved? And I'm sure Paul was like, sharing the gospel with them okay. too, I'm sure. Yeah. I, I, I'm sure of it that he was evangelizing. Because sometimes that question seems like it almost comes yeah. out of like thin air yeah. and then the response is almost out of thin air that's too. Right. And it's like, well, that's not the response that you know Jesus gave yeah, in some he cases. He was sitting in some... there for quite some yeah. time with, with, that, yeah. with the jailer, yeah. Very good. Well... What do you see as some of the biggest challenges? I mean, you've been describing, I think, some of the challenges in the presentation of the gospel. Mm -hmm. But for those who believe, you know, the, the whole steward is the holistic approach to wealth from a Christian worldview. Mm -hmm. So now, let's say we are a believer, mm -hmm. um, the one who has placed his or her faith in Jesus Christ. What do you see as some of the biggest challenges facing us right now in the time that we live, yeah. and, you know, here, I mean, you, you have a, a very rich family history, mm -hmm. immigrating, fleeing from, you know, communism mm -hmm. and now, you know, even being imprisoned. And now here we are 2023, almost yeah. in 2024. Um, that's a, I mean, that's a, that's a large question mm -hmm. in, in one sense, Every generation of Christians have, I'm glad you articulated like today because every generation of Christians faces the same problem, right? Mm -hmm. And which is um, an allurement into the, into the world and an allurement of, of, of sin trying to pull us into, into the back into the world system and mindset. And so there's a sense in which every generation of Christians faces that temptation to sin and that temptation to forget the God who redeemed them. Every, every Christian is always going to be tempted with that. Um, but are the temptations that we have today, I think that are, are probably different than previous generations of, of Christians, I, I think is we we're living in a culture that has lost any sort of theological framework. So, so in, in other words, when in, Back in history, there was always some sort of theological framework, even if it's wrong, uh, of, of, a, of a God that sort of is built into the system of, of humanity. I mean, Romans mm. says everyone believes in some God, right? Romans 1. And, and it's interesting in the day in which we live, it, it's almost like that framework of even thinking is being eroded the more that people are turning in on themselves. And so when it comes to the computer and it comes to technology and, you know, social media and these types of things, the world seems to be turning more and more in on itself. And when they turn more and more in on themselves, there, there's the tendency to, for, to forget God more and more. And mm -hmm. so as Christians living in the world, if we are giving in so much into, into, the things of this world that our eyes begin to be growing inward, we're going to have a very difficult time knowing who it is we're living for and, and, and serving. And, and this is where I think sometimes the political affiliation with Christianity and 
conservatism or mm-hmm. so on, right? I, I think the melding of that is is because we're our eyes are being grown in and we're kind of looking at ourselves living in the world as too much part of this kingdom of this world rather than seeing ourselves as primarily living under the rule and the reign of a of another king. And so that's going to be I think our biggest challenge is trying to pull ourselves to see ourselves rightly as not part of the world if that makes sense because um, that temptation is stronger today, I think, than it's ever been. Interesting. And you think technology? I think that's a part. That I think it enables it, and and I think it, um, it really. I mean, technology is good, and it can be mm-hmm. redeemed. I'm not saying technology is bad. We we need to redeem it and use it for good. But mm-hmm. I just think, um, I think Christians, I think technology is being used to divide the even Christians from Christians. And you see that more online, right? Like it, you have almost Christians like excommunicating each other yeah. online, right? All day, every All day. All day, every yeah. day, like blasting each other. And and I don't think that's doing a service for the unity. And, and of course, undergirding all of that is the fact that we've, we've forgotten those truths of the gospel, right? Mm. Those things that are supposed to be unifying us are almost so ignored. And they're looked at as old teachings and relics of the faith, like confessions. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. You, you know? were talking about the structural breakdown yeah. of the influences of Christianity in society. Um, nowadays, I often say, well, you know, a lot of people have the the religion of humanism. Yeah, yeah. It's just, you know, this this uh, theory of evolution and everything made itself Mm -hmm. without god and so i become my own god Mm -hmm. and somehow it's like okay you you made yourself yeah without giving glory to god to the creator yeah uh and then also coming up with the absolute breakdown of even logical i'm gonna call them traditional values yeah yeah where you know, maybe we won't be imprisoned for saying, you know, oh, I'm not going to fight in the state army yeah. for this communist cause. But if we say, hey, same-sex marriage is a sin in the Bible, just like all the other sins. Mm-hmm. Uh, if if we say that uh, you shouldn't change your gender because God made you right. the gender that you are. Um we see people being now, what's the term, deplatformed or whatever. Yeah. It's just the the first part of a battle for truth and for knowledge and for you know specific, you know, ideology yeah. that is being suppressed and then flooded out. But the next thing is, you know, okay, well you can deplatform them, but then are you going to still let let it be legal? It's now becoming a hate crime, right? To speak. The truth to speak in truth love. is a hate crime, and 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 I think part of the the reason is that if if you ever I don't know if you there there's a book a Carl Truman wrote. Uh, it's a good Christian professor theologian. Uh, I think he used to be part of the OPC, which is Orthodox Presbyterian Church. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know if he still is or not, but he wrote a book called "The Rise and Triumph of the Modern Self," and okay. he actually traces the the philosophical framework of how we got into to this place from the 
earlier philosophies that have sort of led us to this place where the 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 modern self is is like you're saying this it, it's basically a, a power within the self that determines truth so it's not relativism anymore so relativism is is was like this idea where truth whatever's true for you is true for you whatever's true for me is mm -hmm. true for me and so the at the foundation of that relativism is this idea that there is a truth right and so you may have it and i may have it yeah. but there is some truth but now we're we're living in a in a period where you know talking about the transgenderism and homosexual marriage or whatever it is where it's my will and power is what determines what i can and can't do so it's not even about truth it's just who is stronger to overpower the other one with their will and and that's this rise and this triumph of that's the modern self the modern self is this is this individual that that just wants to exert their own will and power it's not even about truth it's mm -hmm. nothing objective about it it's just this is what i want for myself and i'm going to exert that and of course he if you read the book he's He's uh, does a great job of explaining mm -hmm. uh, the, the the history through, but that's sort of how I, I maybe I'm totally misunderstanding his book, but I took well, it out I that. should add that to my reading yeah. list. Yeah, you should read so it. it it's a uh, it's a good read. Um, so then, so then, what can we do as Christians, as believers? You know, what can we do? Yeah. Maybe to combat this issue, I or think, to uh, this may sound even, weird, but I have children. So I think I, I think having families and but mm -hmm. not just not just not just reproducing but yeah. reproducing and training them in the the fear and admonition of the Lord and Amen. that gets back again to the to the whole idea of what the gospel is and these foundational truths and so having children and families and raising them to know Christ and to know the gospel is is going to go a long way in helping strengthen the church because even in the churches that we do have uh, one of the things we do at our church that that i just love about it and and i kind of grew up with church like this too which which is the the children and the families are in the church service mm -hmm. together so what we've done is we've kind of a lot of places have created churches where the high school kids are separated out of the congregation and they have their own church sort of thing and then they never are part of this body of christ mm. this this covenant community of believers and this it seems like well what do we do as christians well that is one of the primary things we're called to do as believers is to to raise our children to be in the church and of the church and to know christ and that's gonna that's gonna help the foundation of of the family units going forward and the influence in the world in which we live and it's a primary place where god has called us to be good stewards if you can't steward your family right you're not going to be able to steward the other things that god gives you or mm -hmm. if you do steward them you're not you're not doing it with the right uh, purpose in in mind if you're neglecting your family so for example ed one one man years ago um wanted to marry uh, one of my wife's friends, and um, he was a missionary, and, and so um, he wanted to marry her. They ended up getting married, and about like three years after they were married or something like that, he said, you know, I, I, I don't want to be 
married to anymore. I feel like God's calling me onto the mission field and he wanted to leave her or stay married but not live with her and just go himself on the mission field. And mm. and I'm thinking, wow, you, you can't even steward your own relationship with your wife and realize that that's where God has primarily called mm -hmm. you. And if you can't have that in order, mm -hmm. what makes you think God's calling you to go out on the mission field? And that's just one example of the, the point that we need to we need to focus on our families and raising them and teaching them and, and yeah, having more, just having more children. Like it, it's, it's a blessing. It's good. And yeah. you're, do, you're making up all for the rest of us. <laughs> you know, don't what's, have am as many. what's yeah. amazing about that is, you know, I look around, you know, at my generation, let's say, you know, in a secular context, maybe at work or something, yeah. and I'm in a group. I, I remember this very well. Previous company I worked for, there were four of us there, and they were all men my age. Mm -hmm. None of them were married. None of them had children. They were off doing fun things, yeah. you know, things that I'm like, oh, that sounds like a lot of fun, you know? Yeah. Backpacking in the Alps or whatever it is, you know? Right. Uh, and here I was, I had four kids. Mm -hmm. Uh, at the time, I think four or five, and I was literally the only one married. And we were talking about the birth rate of yeah. our society and yeah. how to sustain sustain a society, you need at least like two, two or more. Or yeah. It kind of makes sense. You got two people. Yeah, you have two kids. Okay, you didn't yeah. increase or anything. And I said, I'm making up for all of you. Yeah. <laughs> but the thing is, as a as a Christian, now you're raising up children yeah. with that foundation of truth. That's right. You're, you're not only raising up the next generation, but I think any parent would, would say this, is that once you have children, it changes your your perspective mm. on, on the world, even as believers, right? The, it, when, we, when we look at children as almost a liability, we're robbing ourselves of of the blessing and and how God teaches even us as adults through the raising of children. And so it goes both both ways and and it kind of inevitably having children kind of helps to do what we talked about earlier, which is take your eyes off the world, right? Because you're pulling your eyes off the world. Now you're concerned about the souls of your children. You're concerned mm -hmm. about their knowledge of Christ. You're concerned about their future even in in this world. And so you're looking more long term and you're thinking long term as opposed to just for the here and now. And so I think that having children and raising them, it grounds you, it grounds them, it, it makes the church stronger for the next generation. Mm -hmm. Because if we keep neglecting that, then when things really do get harder and harder in society, uh, the church is just going to stay, continue to stay weak and anemic. And it's, it's not going to be interesting. So, be so if I could tie it together yeah. what i hear you saying the biggest thing we can do is live as christians basically according to scripture yeah i, I just picked one to, thing and, like, and, and yeah and then you gave thing. an example yeah. of one of the things that you can have you know, yeah exactly but living as should. christians uh which yeah begins with with seeing yourself in christ your mm -hmm. identity but that should flow over into the next area of a Christian's life. So when you look at the Ten Commandments, right, the, the, the first four 
are God-centered. You might say the mm-hmm. first table of the law, right? That's mm-hmm. our identity. That This is the God that we serve. But what is the very next commandment is to honor your father and mother. Mm-hmm. It's this family unit that, that God then breaks down in terms of society. And so we, we had to think of ourselves as Christ, but then understand the, the family unit that God has put us in as a primary uh, place that we live for him and for his glory and raise the next generation. And the, the third thing would be understanding that family unit within the context of God's family and the church, right? Right. And, and so get putting those things in the right order, you could see where does the individual come into play? The individual comes pretty far down the list in terms of how we treat others. But right. but the Sabbath day, honoring your 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 mother and father mm-hmm. and the family unit and then not the, stealing, not murdering, not exactly. committing adultery, yeah. not coveting. Exactly. Yeah. And so that that framework I think where we would help ourselves out to live as Christians is knowing our identity, raising our family to fear the Lord mm-hmm. and, and being part of the a healthy church family community is mm-hmm. is critical. That's not dividing your family. Mm-hmm. It should never be in a church that's dividing your family. You know? What's amazing to me, I just had this thought, but the, the contrast between that family you just described mm-hmm. and a family of, say, a, a same-sex couple that is right. like trying to raise children, like two men, like, oh, how do you have a kid like how do you have yeah. kids and like it's yeah. just it's just such a distortion of a, even what god the, the foundational unit yeah it's a distortion not only of his word but it's a distortion of just his nature the, the way god created nature and men and women to unite like it, it's a distortion at the very fundamental level and it's not something new i mean no humans have been distorting yeah. god's you know structure yeah. forever this has been awesome. Thank you so much for the absolutely, uh, Andrew. Thanks the for the insights. Me. Oh yeah, yeah. It's been a pleasure. Um, if if anybody wants to learn more or you know ask you a question, how can people get in contact with you? Uh, they can email uh, ranchviewbaptist uh, at gmail That's the church email. You can always send something there to uh, you know inquire about the church or you have a question. Um, you can always reach out in in that way. Perfect. Yeah. Perfect. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. All right. Wow, what an amazing experience to dig into some of the life issues with Pastor Roman Folia today. His family, his in-laws being imprisoned for not going along with the communist state because of their faith and spent years in prison. Then they fled to the U.S. appreciating what the U.S., the United States provides for in the way of freedom and liberty and the ability to work hard and be rewarded for that, which is biblically foundational and to live out our faith. I've heard somebody say once that it is important, it is imperative that we have freedom of religion. Why? Because you cannot coerce someone to be a Christian. Becoming a Christian is an act of submission to the God of the universe, not submission to any man-made institution or any particular 
religion set up by man. Scripture is breathed out by God and is profitable for doctrine, reproof, correction, and training in righteousness that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. And we see in it the doctrine of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, we certainly are not exhaustive today. If we have sparked your interest today, I pray that you reach out to Pastor Roman Folia or reach out to me. We would love to hear from you. Now, there's a couple of other things. Remember, as he said, that your remember where your identity belongs. The whole steward looks at the whole picture of stewardship from a Christian worldview. So if you are a Christian, you hold that worldview and you see everything through the lens of Scripture. Now, don't let your affluence cause you to lose sight of who you belong to as God's people. Another thing that he mentioned is the rise of the modern self, and that being one of the biggest problems that Christians face today. It exerts the will of the person apart from the foundation of the structure of truth. It's not even relativism anymore, or what's good for you is good for you, and that's fine, and then what's true for me is true for me. This says, no, you can't even hold to your view which is grounded in scripture, because I hold my view, which says I'm right. And it's not grounded in anything other than, should we say, the sinful human nature. And that is what we are battling as Christians. So the battle for truth continues. It's been raging for millennia, and it is still going. We, as whole stewards, find ourselves in that battle right now. Lastly, what is the biggest actionable item that you can take today to combat this trend of our society? And what did he say? One of the biggest and best things, have children. Now, that doesn't mean just have children for the sake of having children. Although we know to continue as society, the birth rate needs to be at a certain level to continue that society. Now, the only reason the U.S. is kind of okay right now compared to some other countries is that we have major immigration. However, it would be good to see that as legal immigration rather than illegal immigration. There are political forces right now encouraging the illegal immigration because they see them as future voters to grow the size of the government, to grow the communist state, really. And that is a big problem. Now, I'm not saying everybody coming in illegally would want the country to go a communist direction, but they're already breaking the law. So we're not off to a very good start. And so let's rewrite the laws, etc. This is not a topic about immigration. What it says is for the society to continue and to grow, it needs to have children. Christians understand and know that children are a blessing from God. The fruit of the womb, a reward. Children are like arrows in the hand of a warrior. Blessed is the man who fills his quiver with them. Think about a warrior. A warrior takes those arrows and he shoots them out into life with a specific target 
in mind. And those children are like arrows that the warrior is to guide and direct out into the world to do good things, to further the gospel of Jesus Christ, to be holistic stewards, to have an abundant mindset toward learning and growing and being solid contributors to society. That's what we want to see as Christians. Now remember, our home isn't here. Only for 70 years, 80 if you're strong, 90, maybe 100 or more, but that is not very long. Our true home is in heaven if you know Christ. If you do not know Christ, it is in hell. So I beg you, think about what was said today. Now, it doesn't just mean have children for the sake of having children, but to raise them up in the fear and admonition of the Lord. That is what we do as Christians. Now, if you're single, do not worry. Desire to be married if that's God's will for you, but serve the Lord now in your singleness. However, keep in mind, it's not good that man should be alone. God made him a helper that is fit for him. And I would be nothing without my wife, Analea, who indeed is expecting our sixth child. For that, we are very grateful. Thank you for celebrating with us. We are very grateful to have you listening. Thank you so much. It's been an awesome 2023. It's been a difficult year, a lot of work for me. If you like what I'm doing, please send me a note. I'm going to be reevaluating the goals for the whole steward, the goals for our family, and where we're going to be headed for 2024. I pray that you have an awesome new year. Now that you know more, go out and grow more. All content on The Whole Steward is for informational purposes only and must not be considered personal, professional, tax, or legal advice. Please consult an appropriate professional for individualized advice. Though we do our best to bring you reliable information, we make no guarantee on its accuracy. So you must rely on your own due diligence to draw your own conclusions. The views expressed by guests on the show are their own and may not represent that of the host. Please visit our website for complete terms and conditions. Thanks for joining us today for the holistic approach to wealth from a Christian worldview. This show is brought to you by thewholesteward.com.